Welcome back, everybody, to the Rooted in Logos podcast, episode number 108. Again, my name is Brad. <laughs> I'm joined, as always, by my dear friend, Austin. Austin, how's it going, sir? I am fantastic. It's blooming hot oh my god outside and uh i've, I've s- sweat so much and drink yeah. so much water and it doesn't matter but it's fine i'm it's, great it is honestly um was it the, it's the hottest like three or four days we've had all mm-hmm. year i think over, over here in this this uh little spot in indiana and uh yeah we're I was outside working today for the first time and I don't know how long aside from cutting grass because I just don't like to work outside. Uh, but today we started working on our deck and, and uh, Atticus, a voice you've heard on this podcast before, is helping me build a deck and and uh, yeah, I have a new, I've always had respect for construction workers. I, I feel for them even more now, those manual laborers. Oh yeah. Um, it's not for me. <laughs> not Not for me. I am worn out. But... We are here. We are back. We are ready to start another episode. Uh, like I said, episode number 108. Again, if you missed it on Facebook last week, uh, I went to upload the new episode to edit it. Uh, got it what I thought was the correct episode uploaded. Started rolling with it and somehow hit the button on here to delete the, the SD card. I guess to make more room was kind of in my mind, make more room for the next few episodes. I already had it pulled over to the computer. No big deal. Come to find out, I uploaded a duplicate episode, an episode we had already put out, and I deleted the episode we recorded. So, for the first time ever, <laughs> we didn't have an episode because I decided to delete the entirety of the episode. It's fine. You will never know what was on that episode, <clears throat> and I'm sure I'll forget in the next 10 minutes what was on that episode. We don't even need to talk about it. We don't even need to talk I, about I it. I told Brad, I'm like, it, God's providence. Yeah. He didn't want it out. Maybe it wasn't Maybe it wasn't what was needed to be put out. So, we are pivoting. If you guys joined us last week or two weeks ago, we finished up First Timothy. As is kind of our custom, we kind of alternate between going through a book of the Bible and then talking about different topics on the other episodes or, or just uh, other other things get discussed besides just a specific book. And so this week, we are going to start our next book, and it's going to take us a long time, and we're very excited <laughs> to to get into this. How long, Brad? How long? I'm not even going to put a number on it. We're just going to we're any, just going to power through it. Any estimates? I, I'm, it's going to be, I would think, at least a year, because especially if we're doing it every other week. My guess is a year and a half. Year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. That's very possible. So we are going to start going through verse by verse the book of John. Woo! Yeah. And and this is Austin's favorite book of the Bible. Favorite book of the Bible. We What Austin doesn't know is that after we finish the book of John, I'm going to pick the next book of the Bible. Yes. It's going to be my favorite book. And we'll talk about that when we get there. But uh, So I have a year and a half to wait. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, James is my oh, favorite. Oh, okay. So we will, we will go through James after we finish up John. But... Now we're going to sit on John. We're going to start, and we're going to do kind of what we normally do. We're going to go verse by verse. We're just going to read probably in sections. You know, you got parables and such in the book of John, and, and we'll probably just take a week and do a couple of those and just go, you know, verse by verse. I, I'm not sure. I was reading through chapter one, and I'm not sure how far we're going to get today. <laughs> I, I, if we wanted, we could spend the whole day on verse one. Yeah. Yeah. So it's... That is what we're going to do. So we're going to get into a little bit of kind of the background. We'll give a little intro to the book of John, kind of start with that, and we'll go from there. A little bit of housekeeping, then we'll get started. I know sometimes I do this at the beginning, sometimes at the end, but today we're going to do it at the beginning. I did get a fundraising effort together online. I now need to know how it works. So <laughs> be on the lookout. So this episode is going to come out Thursday, uh, August 24th. Be on the lookout before our next episode, before the, the the one next week on the 31st, I think would be the math on that. We will have on Facebook and on Instagram, we will have a fundraising link put out. I also need to figure out how much a certain thing we need done is going to cost me. And so I'm waiting on a response back from a friend of mine who is going to do that for us. Uh, give us a little estimate on how much it's going to cost. And so as soon as I have all of that ironed out, we will have a fundraiser that we will throw out there that you all can donate to, make one-time donations to help us get uh, to a couple goals. And we'll explain all those 
it'll be very clear what we're doing with the money. No, no weird shenanigans. It will go to very specific things. We're only going to ask for the exact amount yep. that we need to make these things happen. So uh, be on the lookout for that this week between tomorrow, the 24th of August, or today, the 24th of August. There you go. Between, between the 24th of August and the 31st, be on the lookout for an announcement on Facebook. Uh, we will announce that fundraising project. So that is kind of where we are with that. With that being said, let's jump into the book of John. Let's do it. So, Austin, you want to get us started with a little bit of background? I'll jump in, and we'll, we'll kind of see where we go. Yes. So, the Gospel according to John, uh, one of four, but this one's different. Uh, if you read through Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're commonly known as the Synoptic Gospels. Uh, traditionally, it, it was more historical. They were laying down facts, laying down things that Jesus did throughout his ministry. This one is is different. If you've ever read through it, you, you can tell. It's also known as the 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 spiritual gospel. When when someone who's new to Christianity or new new to Christ, a new convert, asks where where should I start? A lot of people point to the book of John. Yeah. But that is a good place for the new Christian to start because it yeah. is just kind of, it is a spiritual book. It is very practical. It's somewhat easy to understand on, on one level. Yeah. Other levels are a little, you know, the, the first, actually first couple of verses are kind of like, what? Right. right. <laughs> but yeah, it is, it is a very good book, very relatable book uh, in the gospels. Yeah. Well, and when what you'll see is the first three gospels look at Jesus and what he did. Whereas the Gospel of John tells you who Jesus is. And he takes the whole route of Jesus is God. Jesus is the Son of God. Literally within the first several verses, we'll, we'll find out. But there was a reason and a focus that we believe John wrote this book. And again, as you'll go through, he lists a few of the miracles of Jesus but, but they're very purposeful, and they're to show you a point. Again, showing you who Jesus is, who Christ is. And as we go through, it, we'll, we'll be able to talk about those things. But it was also a twofold thing. It was an evangelistic tool. He was writing it to evangelize to people. But also, he was doing it as a, an apologetic. It, it's an apology, I guess you could say, but... John was writing one of the, the first uh, apologetic letters, I guess you could say, as well. Now, this is also dated later than the first three Gospels. We have outside sources from Arrhenius to Polycarp. Arrhenius was a pupil of Polycarp, and Polycarp was a pupil of the Apostle John. So we have writings that go back to when John was alive, and then probably within the several decades after his death. But being able to see that he was writing this to also address a lot of the heresies of that day, the the Gnostics, the Gnostic Gospels, the, oh goodness, there are so many other things. But as we go through, you, you'll realize the purpose and why John is writing this. And and again, I, I, I love it. It is, it's beautiful. Um, so he also would have been, again, uh, later in his years. I am, in the writings of Arrhenius, says that he was advanced in years when he wrote it. And so when you read through it and you go back to the original Greek, you'll be able to tell that it's almost like he spent enough time with the Greeks. So he was in Ephesus when, when he wrote this. And that was a, a major Hellenistic um, city in Asia Minor. And spending that much time with the Greeks and just learning the language, there's a difference in the way he wrote the Gospel of John versus his other letters, which we believe were earlier. So, and you know, we'll, we'll go through and yeah. figure that out. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, I think one of the things I've read uh, just about the date of this is you're looking at about 50 to 60 years after Jesus's earthly ministry had taken place. Yeah, um, you know he there was some definitely some time between the the two 
events taking place, but what did John commit his life to after Jesus had had ascended to heaven, preaching the gospel? Oh yeah. I mean, he was reliving his time with Jesus on a daily basis, and yeah. so what you'll hear a lot of times is people say, "Well, it was so far." How do you? I don't even remember what I ate for breakfast yesterday, much less you know what happened fifty years ago. <laughs> and it's like, man, he 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 dedicated his entire the rest of his entire life right. to ministering and preaching the gospel and preaching the word about the person he spent those years with. Oh yeah. So th- this was fresh. This was not. I mean, this is an eyewitness account. Yeah, for well, sure. Two things. One, these quote-unquote stories, I guess you could say, you know, the the things as we read through, we're, we're going to be reading about John the Baptist. We'll, we'll read about several of the miracles that Jesus performed. These are things that John would not have forgotten. But not only forgotten, these are probably things that he recounted and told to other people over and over, over and over and over and over, and over again. again. Yeah. yeah. Now, besides that... This is also the Word of God. This is Scripture, which means it was inspired by God, which means everything that John wrote is because God wanted him to. Therefore, the the recall is God. Yeah. God to John. Uh, another thing that we'll, we'll realize, there, there are certain things that uh, people say, or, well, how would he know that, or... or um, how would he have been able to figure that out, or, or whatever? Some of his own—oh my goodness, I forgot the word. Uh, <laughs> Jesus' mother, Mary. Mary was an integral part to some of the things he wrote. Why? Well, when Jesus was dying on the cross, who was there? Yeah. What? The only apostle, John. The apostle John was there when Christ was crucified, but so was Mary, and. Jesus looks at John and says, take care of this woman. And so, believing that... And woman, this is your son. Yeah. Yeah. And so, believing that John was a faithful man, he took care of Mary until she died. And so, he had plenty of time with the mother of Christ, learning probably a lot of the stuff in his youth and so on and so forth. So, some of the things that he was able to get was probably from um, Jesus' mother. Yeah. yeah, very cool. So, kind of a little bit of like the background, the setting. You know, obviously, John wanted to write this, and he made a unique contribution to the record of the Lord's life. Like, like Austin said, it's a spiritual gospel, and it's really complementary to Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It it, it gives a, a a unique perspective, and he recorded a lot of things in this book that aren't recorded in the other gospels. So he added some of Jesus's teachings and some of the miracles and some of the things that happened that Matthew, Mark, and Luke did not. And so you're yeah. getting a different perspective. You're getting a little bit more layers to the story, a little bit more layers to the onion, so to speak, yeah. from his gospel, which I think is really cool. Well, what's really strange, I always thought it was interesting, but remembering the purpose on why John wrote this this letter, or this book, whatever. He says it outright in verse, in chapter 20. Right. Yeah. But you'll realize what is not, what what most people would think the most important part of Christ's ministry, or not ministry, but the, the amount of transfiguration. John was there. John was there with his brother James and Peter. Mm-hmm. And the other gospels record it, but John doesn't. Why does John not recount such an awe-inspiring, awesome thing? Literally, Jesus is transfigured, Moses is there, Elijah is there, and John never writes about it. Well, because it doesn't go to the purpose of why he's writing this book. And oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> just, just forewarn. Yeah. As we start to get through this book, I, I get, you know, amped up. So. A little amped up. Well, yeah, it, it is. It's. I think it's exciting. Austin mentioned it too. It's an apologetic book too. It, yeah. It is. Well, and let's just go ahead and read. You know, one of the things he says in in uh, chapter twenty toward the end, he says that he declares that these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Yes. 
So that he, he states his purpose outright at the end of the chapter. At the, or I'm sorry, at the end of the book, at the end of the letter. So it's evangelistic and it's apologetic. So that is that is the whole purpose behind this. You know, I'm just going to read a little bit of this, some of the historical and theological themes. The overall message of the gospel is found in 20 verse 31, which I just read. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. The book, therefore, centers on the person and the work of Christ. Three predominant words, signs, believe, and life in twenty in verse chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, receive constant reemphasis throughout the gospel to enforce the theme of salvation in him, in him, him being Jesus, which is set first set forth in the prologue, which we're going to get to today, and expressed many times throughout the gospel in varying ways. He provides a record of how people responded to Jesus and the salvation that he offered. John's gospel focuses on Jesus as the Word, the Messiah, and the Son of God, who brings the gift of salvation to mankind. There are also seven emphatic I Am statements that identify Jesus as God and the Messiah. We will get to those as we get to them, but it's in chapter 6, chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 10. So there are seven emphatic I Am statements. So that is kind of where we're headed. I'm I'm very excited about this. Uh, Austin gave me this. Or, Gate. Austin didn't give me the idea. Austin came to me and said, hey, why don't we go through John? And I'm like, absolutely, let's go through John. (laughs) So I'm on board. So let's go ahead and dive in. Let's start reading. Uh, I'm just, like I said, reading through it, I think, just read verses one through five, see if we can get through one through five and kind of go from there. Um, Tell you what, we'll do one through 18. Okay. We'll get that whole section and then we'll... Go through verse 1. Okay, sounds good. Sounds good? Yep. So, John chapter 1, verse 1. I will start, and then Austin will wrap it up here in just a moment. We'll go through verse 18, which is about halfway through the chapter. Eh, A little bit less than halfway, but it's all right. (laughs) All right, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son, from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Verses 1 through 18. Basically the prologue of this book, right? It's basically the introduction. It's kind of setting the tone. This is what we're going to be talking about the rest of the book. Yeah. 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 And and so he's going to introduce a lot of themes in this. Um, The main theme of course being, and we already mentioned this, Jesus is the Christ, the son of God. Yeah. Several key words repeated throughout the gospel, life, light, witness, glory. They appear here in the prologue. The remainder of the gospel develops the theme of the prologue as to how the eternal word of God, Jesus, the Messiah and son of God, became flesh and ministered among men so that all who believe in him would be saved. Mm. Mm. Amen. What a cool, what a cool book. Right? <laughs> I love it. it you know, it, it's interesting because, and this is a little side note, we get into... At least I do, and I don't know if Austin's the same way, and you can correct me if I, if if you're not. But you're probably true. But we, go ahead. We we try. I like to come at a lot of this in such an academic way, mm. 
and in such a way where I can study it and, and really dive deep into it. And that's what we're called to know, that's what we're supposed to do. But there are some times that we just need like that basic, just let's read a gospel. I mean, it's not based. Don't get me wrong. It's not basic. It's not, it is deep. It is rich. It's theologically just incredible. But there's something simple about just reading the gospels. Yes. And, and we sometimes forget that or we lose sight of it for some reason, or we get so bogged down in some of the other issues and topics and, and scriptures. And, and, you know, like for me, Romans being such a, just a heavy dive, heavy, yeah. heavy dive into the word and, and James and just all the epistles, really all the, all the books that Paul wrote. Yeah. We just sometimes need to go back to the gospels and go back to, some of the basics and go through Jesus's life and, and realize he is who this whole book is about. Yeah. It's all about him. And so, yeah, there's something simplistic about that, about just, okay, in the beginning was the word and I'm going to spend the next 20 chapters, 19 chapters telling you why he was the word. Right. Yeah. Well, and we've talked about it before. The, the difference between your studying the, the word of God versus you look at one verse and then you're just reading scripture. You're when you're reading scripture, it's like you're rinsing. Uh, if I believe it's Ephesians, the uh, husbands are called to wash their wives with the reading of God's word, basically pour over them with the word of God, read to them, read to your wives, read to your children. Um, but read to yourself. You're, you're literally washing yourself with the Word of God. And then the soaking is when you pick a verse and you just you soak in that verse or two for a while. But, but yeah, it's when you're, you're studying scriptures, trying to figure out what it means and, and going to the Lord asking what it means. But then verses, just, you just read it. Why? Well, because you want to be in the presence of God. And what is the best way to do that? Reading his word. And I would even advocate reading his word out loud. Literally, the spoken word of God out loud in your home is so important. And, and yeah, I, we, we fall into that a lot. We, especially Brad and I, you know, preparing for stuff like this, uh, teaching purposes, it's very easy to look at, okay, next chapter. All right, let's look at this chapter and let's get highlights and what's important. It's, it's like it's take a step back and be like, well, this whole thing's important. So, so when I prepare for this, the first several days, I just read it. I read it, reread it, I read it, and I reread it. I won't even touch a commentary until like the third or fourth day. Um, I, I won't start listening to sermons or anything else on the topic until third or fourth day afterwards. That way, purposefully, it, granted, it took it took me maybe about a year at, when we got into this until I started doing that. Right. Um, and I I've figured out that it is so much more beneficial to do that. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, so let's go back up to verse one and just start walking through. And this is a verse that. We've all heard. We've all heard this verse a ton of times. We, we know it. We can quote it. We can say it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Mm. We say it, and sometimes we, we know it so well that we don't think about the meaning, and we don't Freeze fully grasp the weight of this verse. This is a very weighty and meaty verse. Yeah. So let's just start with in the beginning. Let me just throw this out there. When do we see that phrase in the beginning? Repeat. Genesis 1. I'm going to read it. Uh, Genesis 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then verse 3. The Word of God. And God said... Let there be light, and there was. This is on purpose, that he uses the same phrase as what was used in Genesis 1, verse 1. And you start to look, and you look at what the other books that John wrote, and look at First John, where First John says, from the beginning. Mm. Talking about Jesus' ministry, from the start of his ministry. 
this is talking about eternity. Yeah. This is not talking about the start of anything for Jesus. This is talking about eternity. That Jesus is timeless. He is eternal. He is infinite. He is God. Yeah. I mean, we'll get to that in the third part of this <laughs> verse. But in the beginning, it's very important here. It's the same phrase used, like I said, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. It is used in an absolute sense to refer to the beginning of the time, space, material universe. And then the word was is important here. In the beginning was the word. Because that just, again, points to the eternality of Christ. The eternality of the word, of God, of Yahweh, of Yeshua, of Jesus. Well, so yeah, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. Meaning, in the beginning, the word wasn't created. The word wasn't made. He was already there with God. And he was God. He is God. So, yeah, laying laying that foundation there. There there was no beginning to Christ. There was no beginning to the Son of God. He was always there, and he was always the Son of God. I mean, it's it's one of those... Scenarios, you know, the, the, the idea or the, or the word Trinity, as we know it today, does not appear in the Bible anywhere, uh, where we get the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the triune God, the, the Godhead three in one. Right. But the Trinity is all over, all over the Bible, and all, it, it, it's everywhere, and it's, just, it's here. Yeah. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And so, again, we're, we're kind of making a distinction between God the Father and God the Son here in this moment. He is making a distinction. He is, he is saying that it is the same, that they are the same. They are still, they are, they are God. Yeah. He is God. But the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has always existed. Yeah. Wasn't created. You look in verse 3. We'll, we'll, I'm not gonna, we're not going to get there yet, but you skip down to verse 3. All things were made through him. All things were made. Do you see that idea of, of, of Jesus being made and created in verses 1 and 2? You don't. No. John just says he was. Always has been, always will be. He, he was. Yeah. Again, going back to Paul, or no, sorry, spent so much time with Paul in Romans and, <laughs> and Timothy. No, John writing this against heresies of that day. And we see those heresies today as well. Either it be Jehovah's Witness, Mormonism, uh, Islam. (laughs) Stephen Furtick. Stephen Furtick's got the modalism thing going on. A lot. A lot of them do. Modalism. Explain. Tell people what modalism is. Modes. Let me me, me get a good definition of this real quick, because it'll be way more eloquent than what... uh, what I could just come up with on the fly like this. So yeah, you looked that up. But Mormonism, okay, Mormons be- believe in Jesus, <clears throat> but they believe that Jesus was made and that he was not created as God, but he came down to earth and he became a God. And so like if you go to, I actually believe it's the Jehovah's Witness Bible. Sorry to switch back and forth, but Jehovah's Witness Bible, they have tweaked some of the words in John. So, our says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Theirs puts a there. It says, and the Word was a God. As in, he was a God, but he's not the God. So, here's a good definition of modalism. It says, the doctrine that the persons of the Trinity represent only three modes or aspects of the divine revelation not distinct and coexisting persons in the divine nature. Mm. So modalism denies the Trinity. Yes. And so what I take away from that is that when Jesus was here on this earth, God was not in heaven because that was just a mode. They're not three distinct pieces. Right. God left God, all God, the whole thing left heaven and came down to earth. Yeah. And so there was no God in heaven in that moment. If you, if you take, at least logically, that's what I'm seeing in mm-hmm. that, right? A little bit, yeah. It, it, well, it's Does like, that make sense? Like Did I gloves. say that right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's like there are three gloves that God puts on. 
God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And whenever he wants to do Holy Spirit stuff, he puts on that glove. But it, but it's still God. It's like, well, no. No, that's not how it works. There's actually, okay, a very, com- a very common thing that you have probably heard to describe the Trinity is the essence of water. You have ice, you have steam, and then you have water, right? Mm-hmm. That, I believe, is actually false. That is what would be considered modalism, modes. It is not the essence of the water, but they are completely three different things. Whereas, take a silver or a golden coin. The, what is the essence of that coin? Well, it's either gold or silver. There, there's nothing different. There's nothing changing. It is silver or it is gold. Okay, silver coin, take that silver coin. It is a coin. The coin is the shape. It is Christ. Whereas the silver is God. They all have the same essence. God the Father, God the Son. The Holy Spirit would be, say, the, um, the worth. The worth or the value of the coin. All three are the same. All three have the same essence, but three distinct persons many many years ago and and if any of my cohorts that i went to youth group with are listening to this you might remember this there was a guy at a youth convention his name was brent gambrell and he was our speaker for the week that we were in either fort walton beach or panama city beach i don't remember one of the times we went to florida he was the speaker for that hysterical absolutely hilarious i i would probably watch him and still cry laughing at some of his stuff he's hysterical but he (laughs) he made the point in his jovial way that god is like a cherry pie and here's why he says that because a good cherry pie and a real cherry pie has the crumbly crusty stuff the cherries and the goopy stuff and so a good cherry pie when you cut it you can't and, and you take a piece out of it you can't necessarily tell where that piece was gone because it just all kind of morphs back together into one one thing. And so the goopy stuff, the cherries, and the crumbly crusty stuff, three different things, but they all make up the cherry pie. I liked it. I thought it was funny. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, modalism is, I think, debunked very clearly in verse 1 of John chapter 1. John makes a very clear distinction that the word was with God and the word was God. Yes. So it is two distinct persons. The word was with God. You can't be with yourself. You can't be with yourself. I don't know. Like you can't. (laughs) Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I am me. I am one person. If I'm home by myself, I'm not with, I am by myself. It is just me. And you're not hanging out with yourself. I'm not hanging out with myself. I am just existing. I am by myself. (laughs) Yeah. So I think John is making a very clear distinction here that he was with God. Like, I am currently with Austin, looking at him right now. Jesus was with God. Yes. Two distinct pieces of the triune God. And so you hear Brad and I trying to explain the Trinity. Just so you all know, we don't get it either. We We don't get it either. All, All we have is what Scripture tells us. And... And it's fascinating, and it's beautiful, and I don't get it. All, all we can do I is... I don't know if we're meant to get it. No, no, we're not. We but that's the awesome thing. God is thing. like a cherry pie. Literally, <laughs> God in his infinite wisdom and love said, I am going... I, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm, I'm going to tell you who I am and what I am. I am. And you won't get it. But I will. I, I'm going to tell you, and so he has told us through his word, and uh, thankfully we have this from the Apostle John that lays it out just incredibly like this. But even with this, we can't understand it. We cannot get the fact that God the Father, God the Son, have always been here. There has never been a beginning for them. God the Holy Spirit, but yet. He is God. They are God. It is not. It. it I'm just going to be quiet now. <laughs> I, I mean, it is. I can't it's, explain it. Yeah, you can't explain it. It's it's God in three. 
it's God in three persons, the blessed yes. Trinity. Like it, it's not something that our human minds can really wrap our mind around. It's kind of similar to eternity. We don't necessarily have the ability to wrap our mind around the fact that God has always existed. Yeah. Like, because in our feeble minds, we are constrained by time. We are constrained by, I mean, technically by the day we were, by when we were conceived, but more specifically, we're constrained by our first memory. Yeah. Right? We can only really relate to the world as far back as our first memory. Yeah. And God is outside of the constraints of time. We don't have a way to wrap our minds around that either. Yeah. Because it it it's in our mind we think okay before creation there was nothing. Right. But that's not true. There was something, God. God was there. Yeah. <laughs> and God was always there and God had never not been there, but then never doesn't make sense when you're talking about God because he is outside of the constraints of time. Boy, we're getting into this weeds so on this So many one. circles. Yeah. So many circles. Yeah. It's just yeah. Our, all that to say, our feeble minds cannot wrap our minds around the Trinity yeah. and around the idea of eternity. Yeah. All right. Let's let's switch to staying within the same verse, um, the word. Okay. Why is Paul using the word, word? Well, this is John, by the way. This is John. Yeah. What did I say? You said Paul. That's oh okay. my goodness! Come on. <laughs> I'm sorry, Apostle John. Um, he, no, so he the can't, he can't hear you. It's fine. It's fine. The the <laughs> translation, the Greek, where we get our our um, logo and our name from the the logos during the time that John wrote this. To today, when we look at the translation, we say logos, la logos. Um, but during the third to fourth century, the the Greek was changed pronunciation wise. So back during the time John wrote it, it would just be logos, versus now it would be logos. So you know, ancient Greek just just it's logos. It's fine. Again, looking at who John was writing to and the reasons why he's writing it, um, he's using this so purposefully. Uh, the The Greeks were all about philosophy. Right. Yeah. Logic. And logic. Greeks love logic. Exactly. And so the, oh, when you're talking about, uh, what is it, debate? When you're debating or um, trying to win someone over in an argument, what are the three tenses you use? You use pathos, logos. The, uh, I'm going to have to look that Eros. one. No, my goodness. <laughs> Not that one. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Never mind. This just got really <laughs> weird. Pa- pathos? No, pathos is a three musketeer. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. Pathos, logos, and ethos. Pathos, oh, logos, yeah. and ethos. You're using logic. You're using the word. You're using... Oh, I'll just read it. Okay. <laughs> uh, logos appeals to the audience's reason, building up logical arguments. Ethos appeals to the speaker's status or authority, making the audience more likely to trust them. And pathos appeals to the emotions, trying to make the audience feel angry or sympathetic, whatever. So the logos appears to, or it appeals to the audience's reason. The word, it is a translation for reasoning. Mm. And this, this would have been a huge hit for the Greeks. When, when this was written and a Greek would be reading it, he would be reading it as, okay, the word, the reason, you know, their, their belief was all of creation was created through reasoning and the, the gods of their, their pantheons, but it it would have made sense to them. And so for us to kind of take that step back and, and look at it in that way, it's like, well, well, in a way that is true. God, Christ, is the Word. He is the spoken Word of God. Whenever God speaks, literally take this all the way through the Old Testament. Whenever God spoke, who was coming out of his mouth? Jesus. Jump, Jumping a, a little bit ahead to a couple of the verses ahead, but uh, verse 4, In him was life, 
the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So who is the light of man? Christ. Okay. You keep reading through scripture. Scripture tells us that he is the light of the world who came into the world. Okay. Go back to Genesis. What does Genesis chapter one, verse three says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. Okay. The sun was not yet made like the sun in the sky, the moon, nothing. No stars were made. Nothing. Nothing was made yet. Yet God said, let there be light. Who is the light? I believe it was Jesus. Now, God is not saying creation, let there be light as in I am going to create light. He just says, let there be as in it is already there, but let there be light. And so Jesus turns on. And then later through scripture, you read the light of the world came into the world for men. And so it just goes back to Jesus has always been there with God forever. Just, yeah, it's, it's incredible. And again, it's an, in, uh, a concept that we have a hard time grasping and a concept that we have a hard time really wrapping our minds around because it is it is so above us and it is so beyond what our feeble minds can comprehend and understand yeah. i mean you take the the smartest theologian in the world i mean you take a luther or a calvin or or a spurgeon or a cs lewis or or whoever yeah and they can't explain it properly either like these people that we've looked up to for generations and years and decades and millennia, they could not fully grasp the concept of the Trinity. Yeah. And and so we are definitely not on their level <laughs> as far By as no our means. theological <laughs> minds. And so we can't, of course, fully wrap our minds around this idea and this concept. It, it It's so above us, which I think is beautiful in a way. Oh, yeah. You know, some some things just can't be explained. And that's okay. And that's okay. I mean, that that is, it sounds cliche, but part of it's that's where faith comes into play. That's mm-hmm. where we have to trust God that he is so far above us and his, his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. And we have to trust that he knows what he's doing. And, and we take his word at face value and we say, okay, Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, three in one. I don't get it. Can't describe it, can't fully understand it, but it's true. The Godhead, yeah, three in one, yeah, amazing concept. It's amazing. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say something. Let me know if this is not heretical, but you know, just <laughs> not. Uh, anyway, okay. So what I was saying with in the beginning, God said, "Let there be light." Um, the, I was just pondering on it today, of. As a, as a kid, <clears throat> I go out and help my, my dad with, you know, working on whatever he's working on. What's the one job that the little kid gets? Hold my flashlight. Hold my flashlight. <laughs> I, I, I just thought it was kind of kind of interesting and cool. You know, God said, let there be light. My my thought could be wrong, but I it, it seems like it would be right that Christ being the light of the world, that the light of the world turned on. Because God, not that He needed light, but He just He wanted light, and so. Well, yeah, it was time for creation. Like it was. Turn on the light. Let's get to work. Yeah, let's yeah. get to work. So I thought it was cool. That anyway. is kind of neat. I like that idea. Yeah. God is like a cherry pie. <laughs> just quit. <laughs> just quit. <laughs> Verse two. Verse two. He was in the beginning with God. I, I actually think we've covered that. I think we have. Yeah. Yeah. He is eternal. He has always been there, and always will be there. Long after our earthly bodies are gone, he will still be there. Mm-hmm. Verse 3, all things were made through him, and without him, not anything made that was made. So right off the bat, you would read that and think, man, this guy's illiterate. <laughs> this guy doesn't know how to write, read or write nothing. Or Are you or, an NOFT? In, or in contrast... Our translation got this one wrong. I don't think we did. 
uh, sure, translating from Greek to, to English, but I, I see this as John literally trying to explain something the easiest, best way he can. So, so what does he say? He says, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. It's like literally he's trying to present a point the the most simplistic way possible for us stupid people. I'm one of those stupid people. <laughs> and so let let's look at yeah, I'm with you. Let's look at a couple verses I, I, that I've kind of run across where Christ was kind of talked about as the creator or, or that Christ was involved in creating the universe. Let's look at Ephesians 3 verse 9. It says, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. Colossians 1 verse 16 says, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. Hebrews 1 2, has in these last days spoken to us by his son whom he has appointed heir of all things through whom also he made the worlds and then finally revelation 4 verse 11 you are worthy O lord to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created do we need any more proof who the bible is about who this entire thing is about yeah, I don't believe Jesus is the Son of God. I don't know. No. <laughs> it is all about him from yeah. start to finish. Old Testament through the new. Is all about Jesus. Yes. Yes. All about Jesus. So direct translation from the Greek to English reads, this is interlinear, all things, this is verse three, all things through him came into being and without him came into being not even one thing that has come into being. So that that's, yeah. I mean, I, he, yeah, he, he was present and active in creation. He was the reason things were created. He was the one who created them. Yeah. <laughs> Literally as God spoke everything into existence they came into existence by the power of Christ through the word of God the Father and just, yeah well, <laughs> well the, they're he, the same they're the same but they're distinct but they're the right. same and again we're getting into that muddy water of like man I just don't know think we can explain this properly we can't. but yeah but okay Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 then God said let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and so on and so forth. Let us make man in our image. Us. God is taking counsel within himself, not just God, only God, one, but God in three persons. There are three persons there in the Godhead and he's taking counsel within all three. And he's saying, let us make man. And they're all like, let's do it. Yeah. Just, man. Yeah. It's such an amazing mystery and an amazing, beautiful thing that we just, we've said this so many times already in the last 45 minutes. <laughs> we just don't fully get. Yeah. We just don't fully understand. And it's beautiful and it's wonderful. I'm okay with it. And I'm good. I'm so good. Yeah. I mean, there's just going to be times where you, you just have to say, man, this is this is above me. This is beyond me. Yeah. But honestly, thank God for that. Oh, yeah. Because if our feeble minds could fully comprehend it, would God really be that powerful? Mm. No. Think about that for a minute. Yeah. Just 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 you yourself listening to this. Think about that for a minute. If 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 we could fully comprehend the mysteries of God and, and specifically in this moment, because of what we're talking about, the Trinity, if we could fully comprehend that. And we felt like we had a firm grasp 100% on that. Would God really be that powerful? No. 
but he is. I don't think he would be. Yeah. Right. I think that would be us. I think God would be put in a in a in a box that can that constrains him and that limits him if we could fully understand these mysteries and fully comprehend them and fully explain them. I mean, we can have a general idea like we do of the Trinity. Yeah. But man, at some point you're just like, man, I, 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 I can't fully grasp it, Yeah, but I believe it to be true mm-hmm. because his way, because again, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He is so much above us. And if, if he wasn't, that's a puny God. If we could fully understand it, that's a that's a puny God. Yeah, if we could understand the essence of God. Yeah. Not a God I'm going to serve. <laughs> right? Okay, honestly, I'm I'm even fearful to say that. <laughs> well, no, I what I'm, no, I know, you but know yeah. what I'm saying though, yeah. right? Like a, a puny God that I could fully understand. It's not a God I want to serve. Yeah. Because that means I'm just as smart or I'm just as logical or I'm just as whatever. Well, then you could be Mormon. Oh. Hey. So next time on Rudin Logos, <laughs> Brad converts to Mormon. No, I'm kidding. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> but yeah, so again. Austin I, against heresies, number one. We're starting now. <laughs> <laughs> but literally everything, everything that was made was not made, but made through him and for him. So even today, things that are being made, you know, um, new creation, as in children, children being born, deer, uh, literally everything from from Christ. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made. Literally, again, we just go back to Genesis. There is a reason why John is setting it up in this way. Through the word of God, let there be an expanse. Let the waters under the heavens be gathered. Let the earth sprout vegetation. Let there be lights in the expanse. Uh, let the waters swarm with living creatures. Uh, let the earth bring forth living creatures. Literally everything God is speaking into existence is by Jesus. For, For Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Literally, later in Scripture when it says, Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritage. Why? Because God made it for him anyway. God made all of the earth for his son. And with his son, he made it. And for his son, he made it. And his son made it. I, I just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's it's unreal. So let's go to verse four real quick. Let's actually try to get to verse five and we'll, we'll wrap it up for this episode. No. no what do you mean? Gotcha. No, we're at an hour, bro. And I got to edit this it's and fine. all that okay. stuff. All right. <laughs> In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In him was life. Let's talk about that for a minute, shall we? John is introducing the reader to these themes of that, that are going to occur throughout the rest of the gospel, light and life. Mm. They are qualities of the word, big W, capital W word, that are shared not only among the Godhead, but also by those who respond to the gospel message regarding Jesus. John uses the word life about 36 times in this gospel, far more than any other New Testament book. He refers not only in a broad sense to the physical and temporal life that the Son imparted to the created world through his involvement as the agent of creation, but especially to the spiritual and eternal life imparted as a gift through belief in him. In Scripture, light and darkness are very familiar symbols. Intellectually, light refers to the biblical truth, while darkness refers to the error of falsehood. Morally, light refers to holiness and purity, and darkness refers to sin and wrongdoing. Darkness has special significance in relationship to Satan, who rules the present spiritually dark world. And again, we're, we're getting into a big concept here. Yeah. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Yeah. Well, and just clarifying, <clears throat> this is not speaking about just our physical life here right. on earth. Right. This is speaking about eternal life, true life, life with God. Both. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now, yeah, this gets into the whole topic of good versus evil, 
and light versus dark. And yeah, as we go through John, we'll talk about stuff like that a lot. But something I want to bring forth and clarify is whenever you're watching a movie or you're reading a book, when it is good versus evil. Which, by the way, most movies and books are a form of good versus evil. Right. It That's that's basic. That's yeah. basic um, storytelling. Good versus evil. But what is the story? They're matched. It's an even match. Good versus evil. Sometimes good wins. Sometimes evil wins. And it's just this teetering back and forth. It's in, a in balancing. A, in, American, in American movies, good wins. Good wins. Well. In American movies. Yeah. Because we're Americans, and we have to have things happy at the end. Exactly. But, literally, what does it say? The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Literally, at no point in creation or history has darkness ever overcome light. That means, this is saying, evil has never won. Darkness has never won. And you get to the whole conversations of battles versus war it's like well no this is saying darkness has never overcome the light the light has always been there and it's always been on top and even at the darkest moment that we see the crucifixion literally the light of the world looks like he was extinguished this is saying he wasn't this is saying that the light has never been overcome by darkness and so there we have to reimagine the whole good versus evil thing. I mean, uh, I believe Mormons believe that Jesus and Lucifer are brothers. Yes. Yep. yep. And that they're in a, like a constant state of, of battle between each other. And, and the reason why Satan was cast out of heaven, Lucifer cast out of heaven, was because God picked Jesus' plan of salvation over Lucifer's plan of salvation. Right. <clears throat> that, is, that is the reason why. Yeah. And, let's go a little deeper, the uh, angels, the demons, that, that, that the third of the angels that fell with, with Lucifer were the ones that chose his side over Jesus' side. If I remember right, I could be wrong, but I think in traditional, fundamental LDS teaching, Latter-day Saints, by the way, is what LDS stands for, but traditional Mormon teaching, those who remained neutral, those who didn't pick a side, God cursed them, and they were black. And so Ooh. I'm serious from, from the, the fundamental side that they've obviously changed that stance, at least right. in America. Right. But the fundamental stance, the original stance of the Mormon church was that black people could not enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, they couldn't because everyone goes to heaven in their religion. They're really confusing how they kind well, of it depends on what sect you are. Yeah, so, they, they would go anyway. to one level of he- they would only be permitted to the first level of heaven would be black people because they were considered cursed because they didn't pick a side. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, but the point being, there is not an even matchup. Christ is not evenly matched up with with Satan. That, that That's not how it works. He is God, and Satan is, to, to us, Satan is the ultimate foe, and he, without God, we're toast. But Satan versus Christ, literally, that that's like watching a... A baby fight Conor McGregor. Yeah, 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 that one. <laughs> so you may be too young for this. I don't know. Do you know the artist who he he died recently, somewhat recently? Carmen. Just just Carmen. Just Carmen. No last name. No last name. His name is Carmen. Artist okay. for Christian artist musical. So Carmen was around late 80s, early 90s, mid 90s. Uh, he may have kind of crept into the late 90s, early 2000s with some of his stuff. But he has a song. Carmen was very dramatic. I highly encourage you, if you don't know who this is, if you're a younger listener, you don't know who Carmen is, jump down the Carmen rabbit hole and, and watch his music videos, listen to some of his stuff. You will not be disappointed. I, I'm not saying you're going to like it as far as like this is, I want to jam it in my car on the way <laughs> I just I, I really want you to go <laughs> and listen to a few of his songs. Yeah. But the one that I'm thinking of specifically it was called Ch- The Champion. Or Champion. Champion? Anyway. Are... No. Oh, that's Queen. Great oh. song though. No, Carmen did the it, it, it is so dramatic. When I and I can't explain to you how dramatic he is without you watching or listening to some of his stuff. But it's so dramatic. And The Champion is a 
cosmic play out of the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus based on like a boxing match where they're, they're two fighters in a, in a boxing ring, Satan and Jesus and, and Satan defeats them. And then all of a sudden God starts counting and in boxing you count one, two, three. And if by 10, they're not off the mat, the match is over. They have a 10 count to get off the mat. Well, Jesus, God started counting saying 10, nine, eight, he kind of backwards, mm. kind of down. And, as cheesy and as goofy as that song is, don't get me wrong, we did a play to it, a dramatic play to it. We would, it, it was a whole thing. Those of you listening that went to church with me at, at that time in my life, you remember this very well. <laughs> one of one of the guys that left a review is one is the guy who always played Jesus in this particular in this particular play that we did. He was always he was Jesus in all of them, but he was Jesus in this one particular. Anyway. Fantastic stuff. Go look it up. <laughs> but again, it is just illustrating Austin's point again is that in t- you know, in our minds, again in our people's minds and the disciples' minds when Jesus was crucified and Mary's mind and Joseph, in in all their minds, his followers, they thought it was over. He's dead, he's gone. That's it. Yeah. It's over. The 10 count has been counted, and he has been knocked out, and he is done. But what they didn't really understand, and what Satan didn't understand until it happened, was that God was counting backwards. And when it got down to one, he came back. Mm. And he defeated death, he defeated Satan, he defeated hell. And so again, it's that idea. Light has never been overcome by darkness, even when it looked like it was the darkest moment in history. Yeah. Sunday came. Yeah. Right? Yep. Sunday came. The sun rose on Sunday, and he was alive. Hence the Lord's Day. So we can take heart and rejoice, and we're going to read that verse in in John where it says, take heart, I've overcome the world. Mm -hmm. You can replace that word with darkness if you want. I have overcome the darkness. It will never overcome me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I... Go listen to Carmen. To, listening to that, I I get the picture of Cinderella Man with Russell Crowe. One of his fights. So he was uh, playing James J. Braddock from back in the, the 30s, uh, boxer. And there was a scene where he was in a fight <clears throat> and against just this guy that they never thought he'd win. It was just a shoe-in. He was going to earn money so that you know his kids didn't get kicked out of the the house and they lost electric and whatever. But there was a moment in the fight where this big guy that he's fighting throws the punch, the punch that all the other opponents that he's faced after this, they're done. And there's this moment where he, he connects with James J. Braddock's face and just that's the hit. And everyone thought Mm. it was it. That was it. But the thing, this is the cool part: is he didn't fall. He got hit, and his mouth guard came out. But there's this scene where he looks up and he just smiles at the guy. <laughs> just this was that was that it was that your hit? And the other guy like goes from this cheesy grin to it just drops to terrified, of like, oh no, what did I just do? That's how I see. <clears throat> what happened with Satan in Christ. Satan threw his, his haymaker. He threw his hit. He killed him. He killed him. He bruised his, his ankle as scripture says. Yeah. And then Christ looks up and smiles and says, now I'm going to crush your head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Boom. Yeah. And, and so that is, that's where we're going to end it. We're well, going to end it right there at verse five. We got through a little bit more than I thought, but just again, it is, it's getting back to some of the simplicity of the gospel of Christ crucified and resurrected and how we need to be reminded so often how amazing that is. Oh yeah. We can get into, and we're going to get into that minutia. We're going to get into the theological stuff. We're going to, we're going to talk reformed theology. We're going to talk about covenant theology. We're going to talk about all these different things that are deeper issues and that are issues that that 
are worth discussing. But our hope is that in between some of those episodes and some of those topics, we just remind you of the gospel. Yes. Remind you of the simplicity of the gospel and how, yes, it's simple, but how unbelievable it is and how incredible it is and how spectacular it is. That's that's kind of my hope for the book of John. Yeah. Well, and it's a reminder of no matter what stage or level you are in your life, either being master's seminary or just the utmost theological guy, everyone needs the gospel, especially believers. We, we, we need it, and we need to be pouring through it, just washing over ourselves with the word of God. And what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news. Good news. Literally the ultimate good news. So read it. Read it. So follow along with us as we go through the book of John every other week. Actually, I think our next episode will also be John. We're going to have two in a row of John, and then we're gonna, we'll talk about what we're doing after that. Yes. But we're going to do two in a row of John. And so just follow along with us. Read ahead. Uh, kind of get your thoughts and, and kind of your, your insights into this, and then listen to us. And, you know, if you have any questions, comments, rebuttals, let us know. We'll, we'd love to hash anything out and talk anything out with you guys. Further the discussion. Continue to keep going. And go deeper into this. Before we wrap up, if you'll do us a favor, jump on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Follow us on all the social medias. Patreon.com should log us if you want to give us a monthly donation. Be looking out for the fundraiser that we're going to do. A very specific amount of money. A very specific goal that we are going to set. And we're going to let you know exactly where the money is going and how much of it's going where. Yep. And, and that is our that is our plan, and we want to be as uh, honest and upright and forthright with everything that we can be. Above reproach. Above reproach is, is, is the word, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so absolutely, thank you guys so much for listening. We love you guys. Uh, we will be back next week with verse 6. We'll start with verse 6 and see how far we get. Uh, until we meet again, stay, stay rooted. rooted.